Turn, please, in the scriptures to Matthew, the sixth chapter, Matthew 6. In Matthew 6 and 31, Jesus said, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? When the Lord tells us don't say something and don't think about it, what should we do? We should not talk it and think about it. Verse 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. The ungodly, the unsaved, godless world is seeking after what? They're seeking after what they need, what they want. Making a living, uh, having fun. And so what's wrong with that? I need some things too. He said the Father knows you, you need some things. But we should not seek what the ungodly seek. That's not the only way you can get it. There's another way to get it rather than seeking and striving for it. Even though we're in the world, we don't have to participate in the world rat race. We don't. And we don't have to struggle. Like ungodly unbelieving people do. Trying to get what we need. And what we want. Verse 33. He tells us what to seek. Don't seek. The necessities of life. Food. Housing. Clothing. What your kids and grandkids need. Don't, don't focus on that. Don't seek after that. Don't, don't just live to make a living and seek that. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, righteousness, um, both in the book of Psalms and the book of Hebrews, it says the Lord's uh, scepter is a scepter of righteousness. He rules by righteousness by rightness. Wherever God is ruling and influencing, things will be right and they will be fair and they will be just and good. How many care and desire that things be good and right and just and fair? But when the kingdom of God is influencing and exercising reign over people in an area, it will be. And that is what you and I are to pursue and to seek. And as we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what will happen? All the stuff that the world is striving to get, trying to add to themselves, he will add it to us while we seek his kingdom. This is a different way of living. This is a very different way of life. Now, uh, when we say seek the kingdom of God, what does that mean? How, what is the kingdom of God? And how do you seek it? Well, kingdom is the king's dominion, the king's domain, or that uh, which the king rules over. The realm, the sphere of influence that the king reigns over. Well, what is the king reigning over? What is the king ruling over? Well, some would say, well, God's ruling over everything. Well, we've camped on that in times past. 
we did a series called You Choose, in which we dealt with some of the common phrases and commonly held beliefs. People say, well, God is in control. You hear that frequently. God is in control. And then people say, well, everything happens for a reason. And God must have had a reason. Well, I don't doubt that it happened for a reason, but that don't mean the reason is that it was God's will or God's plan. And the truth is, there's all kind of stuff happening down here that is not the will of God, not the plan of God, does not please him at all. Now, if you back up in the chapter, you see he had already addressed some of these things in verse 9 when he's teaching the disciples and us about prayer. He said, after this manner, therefore pray ye, pray like this, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Prayer is to be addressed to the Father, not others. We don't pray to saints. We don't pray to angels. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And we're to reverence him. And after he said, you're praying to the Father and you're reverencing him, hallowed be thy name. The first thing he said to ask for and ask about is verse 10. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth. As it is in heaven. What is the kingdom? It's the king's. Realm of. Influence. His, what he's having dominion and reign over. Well. If God is controlling everything. And reigning over everything down here. Why would we need to pray. That he would. If the will of God is being done. Already in everything that's happening down here, why would we need to pray that his will would be done? How many think there is presently a very big difference between what's happening in heaven and what's happening down here on the earth? <laughs> How many think there's a really big difference? How much crime in heaven? What's the crime rate? Really low? How about zero? What about poverty? Hunger, disease, war. How much? Do you know why? Because God is in complete control there. That's why it's that way. And there's coming a time when it's going to be that way here. Have you read the back of the book? What did the Bible say? There's coming a time when there's going to be no more sorrow. No more crying, no more pain, no more dying. What will have happened at that point? The kingdoms of this world will have become the kingdoms of our Lord and God. And he will be ruling and reigning over everything. And the glory of the Lord is going to cover this earth like the waters cover the sea. But that is not yet. I said that is not yet. I mean, we shouldn't have to think too hard to realize that something else is going on down here besides God being in control. I mean, just in the news this week, you see leaders of nations destroying and killing their own people. Is God doing that? Now, see, you've got even preachers who stand up and say, well, you know, God's ways are mysterious. God's killing babies with chemical weapons. No, he's not. 
Oh, this one's died in this storm. This one died in this hurricane. This one died in this tornado. We just don't understand God's ways. No, no, no. Jesus said if it's stealing, if it's killing, if it's destroying, the thief's doing it. The devil's doing it. And we see in the temptation when Jesus came, you know, in the wilderness there, the enemy, the Bible said, we looked at this in previous times, took him to a very high mountain and showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. What did he show it? All the kingdoms. Well, see, Rome was one of the kingdoms. It was, you know, the biggest and far-reaching at that point. There were others. He showed Jesus all these kingdoms, and he said, all this glory and power of these kingdoms I will give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Because it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whoever I want to. Most Christians don't believe that. They just don't believe it, and that's why their theology is so messed up. And the, the devil does not want you believing this. Uh, the devil's favorite thing for you to believe is the uh, devil don't even exist. But even if you do believe he exists, just never think about it or talk about it and believe that everything that's happening is God because then you will blame God for the atrocities the devil's committing. And many Christians are miffed and upset with God and hurt why, God, why don't you do this? God, why did you let this happen? Not realizing it wasn't God. I said it wasn't him. It was the thief, the killer, the destroyer. Second Corinthians 4, 4 calls him the God of this world. And it's obvious. Every time you see killing, stealing, and destroying, the enemy is ruling and influencing throughout this earth through men and women. It's happening. But not over everybody. (laughs) I said not over everybody. Not over me. How about you? Why? I've been translated. Oh, come on. Out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. And the devil has nothing on me or in me. He's nothing to me. I have a Lord. The King of kings. And the Lord of lords. And what you and I are to seek and pursue. Is that first of all. To allow him to reign over us. Let his kingdom extend over us. There's coming a time. When every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess. But that's not yet. That's not yet. But the smart ones bow now. <laughs> and confess now. And let allow him to rule over them now. In this life. Somebody said out loud. I'm in the kingdom. I'm in the kingdom. And the kingdom's in me. And the kingdom's in me. Should we be seeking to get other people in? Yes. Persuade them. Let God rule over your house. Let God be over you. Let him be Lord over you and everything that you have. He won't make you, but he'll receive you if you'll receive him. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Go with me to Matthew then, the 20th chapter, please. Matthew 20, 
And about verse 20. Then came to him, Jesus, the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. Verse 21. And he said to her, what do you want? So in other words, she comes to him very respectful, worshipful, and says, Lord, I, I have a favor. What are you laughing about? <laughs> I have a favor I want to ask of you. And he said, uh, dear, what, what do you want? And she said, uh, would you grant that these, my two sons, may sit the one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your kingdom? Now this tells us volumes. Why would she ask for this? Jesus must have talked a lot about the kingdom. Mustn't he? The more you look at the scriptures, you begin to see how far the present day church has gotten away from what Jesus emphasized. The gospel is called the gospel of the kingdom. Did you know that? The good news about the kingdom. But with, among millions of Christians around the planet, gospel in their minds not associated with kingdom. And Jesus talked about it so much that the people around him, his disciples and everybody that were followed and listened to him, they had kingdom on the mind. And they thought the kingdom was about to immediately appear. And the kingdom was going to be set up. And Jesus was going to be the king of kings. And of course that is true, but they were off on their timing. <laughs> and so this mama wants to get ahead of the rush. <laughs> and they are so convinced that the greatest thing that's about to happen is the kingdom of God. And whoever is something in the kingdom is something forever. And this is this the greatest position you could ever have. And so she asked Jesus to give her two boys the top two spots under him in the kingdom. <laughs> and what does he say? Read the next verse. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking me for. <laughs> and she didn't. You don't know what you're asking are you able to drink the cup I'll drink of? Be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And I guess their boys were there with her somewhere. They said, we're able. Yes, we can. How many think they're answering too quick here? <laughs> but what do they have on their mind? Top, top spots in the kingdom, right? Now, we should not just throw all this away. It's not that their desiring to have a place in the kingdom was bad, it's how they're going about it. And their misunderstanding of how these things work and how they're given. We should desire to have a place in the kingdom and a greater place. And here is revelation about what qualifies one for greater place. We're going to begin to talk about that. Actually, What's happening right now in this life is proving us 
and either qualifying us or disqualifying us for place or greater place in the kingdom. This life is very, very brief. Didn't the Bible say that your life's like a vapor, like a mist? Now you see it, a few minutes, hour, it's gone. That's our life. This is the briefest thing we'll ever do. What's happening right now, this life. And beyond it, there's a lot going to happen. <laughs> and it goes on forever and ever and ever. And the big thing that's going to be happening is the kingdom of God. I said the kingdom of God. And those who have been faithful and believing ones, the Bible said, he's washed us in his blood and made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign with him. Do you believe it, saints? But now it's not going to be socialistic. It's not everybody going to be meted out the same cookie cutter positions and things. Oh no. Jesus told parables that explained the kingdom. You remember the one guy wound up ruling over ten cities. Other guy ruling over five. Well that's half. Other guy none. Remember that? And the Bible said in the resurrection, the future and the glory, we will differ in glory like the stars differ in brightness. Well some stars are brighter than others. And why will it be? How will God be fair in appointing one of us eternal rulership over ten kingdom cities and another person one or none? Well, he'll be fair. How many believe he'll be fair? It'll be perfectly fair. And some people say, well, I'm, if I can just make it to heaven, that's all I care, you know. Well, you say that now. But eternity is a very long time. <laughs> and the kingdom, by all accounts, is got to be amazing, awesome, glorious. And so Jesus talks so much about it that everybody around him is thinking, man, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, who? And so they begin to talk about one who's going to be, have the, the greater place in the kingdom. And so uh, Zebedee's boy's mom thought she'd get to jump on everybody else. And she goes to Jesus and just asks for the top two spots. Just asks. <laughs> and he says, let's put the verse back up again. He says, you don't know what you're asking for. And we see that qualifying involves suffering. Now that is not a popular message, especially among word and faith folks, <laughs> but it's the truth. He told the 12, he said, you are those that have been with me in my temptations and you are going to sit on 12 thrones. Hallelujah. And the Bible said that uh, if we suffer with him, we will be glorified with him. The two are tied together. Now, when people hear these kind of things, they take all suffering and lump it together and don't differentiate 
But the Bible talks about in Peter that you can suffer for your own mistakes and there's no glory in it and no reward. No, all suffering's not the same. And he's not talking about suffering from disease or not having your needs met or being confused or depressed. That's part of the curse of the law. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. So what kind of suffering is he talking about? He's talking about Primarily, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And also, if you're living seeking the kingdom, you've got to be willing to sacrifice for the kingdom. You've got to be willing to sacrifice your time and your stuff. That doesn't mean it's gone forever. You'll get it back. Won't you get it back? Good measure, pressed down, 30, 60, 100 fold. But you've got to be willing for it to cost you something. If you're not willing to be inconvenienced to do things for the kingdom, then it could turn out at the end that you'd be saved, but you won't have substantial inheritance and place in the kingdom. Now, if that sounds new to you, don't take my word for it. Put your nose in the book. And even easier, just come back next week. Because <laughs> we're going to talk, we're going to get into some. We're just getting started in this. And, you know... I'm tasting some of the things that I'm preparing for you for down the road here. Giving you a little taste right now. But how many are interested in qualifying for the greatest place we're supposed to? Being everything we're supposed to to the kingdom now and in the future. Well, verse 23. He said to them, you shall drink indeed of my cup. And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. And we also see that he had already told them in another place. They were going to sit with him. On these thrones. They are going to have. How many understand the twelve with the exception of Judas. Are going to have great places. In the kingdom. This is real. This is not fairy tale. This is real. These thrones are real. These cities are real. These places are real. And they're forever. It won't be too long. Until everything that's happening down here, every country, every government will be a long distant memory. All this is fading away, going away. But of his kingdom, there shall be no end. He said, uh, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. Now this, among other places, shows that Jesus is not the Father. Some have tried to say that Jesus and the Father are the same person. Just different manifestations of the same person. Not true. Not true. Jesus actually referred to himself and the Father as two. I'm quoting scripture. He also said, my Father is greater than I. He also said, concerning the coming day, he said, the Son of Man didn't know it, the angels didn't know it, only the Father in heaven. How could he know something he didn't know? How can you pray, not my will, but yours be done? That's like saying, not my will, but my own will be done. No, I'm not trying to mock, but it's not right. It's not correct. Jesus said, it's not mine to give, but it'll be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. How many can perceive and see these places in the kingdom are nothing light about them, nothing trivial about them. They're forever. They're important. They're places of of authority and glory under the master. 
Verse 24. When the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against these two brothers. Uh, not least of all, because they didn't think of it first. <laughs> they thought, they're going to jump in there and get the top spots. So they probably acted all holier than thou. How, how dare you ask such a question? <laughs> they probably say, well, mama, mama did it. We, <laughs> you know how mama is. Verse 25. <laughs> Jesus called them to him and he said, he took this as an opportunity. He said, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. No doubt their mind would naturally go to the Romans. Who are exercising harsh and cruel dominion over them. And you might say like this. They do it through force. But verse 26. But it shall not be so among you. The kingdom of God operates very differently. From the kingdoms in this earth and in this time. It will not be so among you. But whosoever will be great. Wasn't that their discussion? Who's going to be the greatest? Whoever will be great among you. Let him be your minister. One that waits on you. Verse 27. Whoever will be chief among you. Do you want the top spot? In the kingdom? Here's how you get one. Whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. In God's kingdom, the way up the ladder is down. What do you mean? Humbling yourself and being a servant. Ministering to others, helping others. This is a completely different mentality from the world, which is climb over somebody else. On your way to the top. Demand your way. Push your way. Force your way. We've grown up in this world. And sadly, even a lot of Christian parents teach their children wrongly. They get to a certain place and they encounter some strife or challenge or difficulty, whether it's at kindergarten or, or school or whatever, and they tell their kids, you got to stand up for yourself. You can't be anybody's doormat. You And in the squeaky wheel gets the grease. That's not a scripture. (laughs) And you have to put yourself forward. And you have to put yourself out there. And they're teaching them self-seeking, self-promotion. And people are pushy and demanding. And it's not godly. I said it's not godly. And it doesn't work in the kingdom. It's the way people are doing things in the world. But it does not work in the kingdom. The pushier you are in the kingdom. The least place you're going to (laughs) have. Didn't Jesus say. He that exalts himself. What's going to happen to him? He's going to be abased. He that humbles himself. What's going to happen? He's going to be exalted. He's going to be promoted. That's what we're saying. In God's kingdom. The way up. Promotion in place is down as far as humbling and serving. 
Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Keep going, verse 28. Even as, he said, just like I've done. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but he came to minister. The next time you get to thinking about how neat it would be for people to wait on you. (laughs) Get an adjustment. Make an adjustment. You're not here for people to wait on you. See, a whole lot of Christians, we've had I don't know how many people come tell us, you know, I'll be glad to run that for you. I'll be glad to take that over. And uh, we're not looking for people that want to run stuff. I'm going to say that over here. (laughs) We're not looking for people that want to run stuff. God's not looking for people that want to run stuff. He can give ability to anybody. He's not looking for talent. He's looking for heart. And wanting to run something and be in charge of something is very different from wanting to help somebody. Not the same thing at all. Is it? And if you genuinely care about people and care about the Lord and care about the kingdom, then it makes you happy if you are of assistance. If you are of some help. Right? If your work, your, your efforts benefited somebody, that makes you happy. And we must die to this wanting to be seen, wanting to be known, wanting to be in charge, wanting to be important, wanting to be over other people, wanting other folks following us around, looking up to us, waiting on us. If you're going to make it very far in the kingdom of God, you got to die to this junk. I said you got to die to this junk. And be like the master. He said learn of me. I'm meek. Lowly in heart. He said I didn't come. To be served. I came to serve. Did you know he's still ministering for us. Every day right now. He ever lives. To make intercession for us. Doesn't he. He's ministering to us. All the time. He's our example. What do you live for? To be seen, to be noticed, to be important, to be over something, to run something? No. No. Like him, to minister. To serve. Minister means serve. To serve and give his life a ransom for many. Can you say amen? Amen. Does this have anything to do with the kingdom? This is the kingdom way. It's the kingdom way of promotion and way of of greater place. Go with me to Matthew 18. Just back up a little bit and you see that they had already been talking about this. I challenge you, if you're interested and serious about this, go through the gospel accounts again and notice everywhere Jesus talked about the kingdom. And if you hadn't seen it before, I'm telling you, it'll surprise you. You'll think, wow, I didn't know he talked about it that much. Should we emphasize what he emphasized? We should. And just because the church has gotten away from it over the the centuries doesn't mean he changed. He doesn't change. In Matthew 18 and verse 1. Matthew 18, 1, at the same time, came the disciples to Jesus saying, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Does that sound familiar? 
See, I mean, this was not some isolated thing. It's an ongoing issue. Why? Obviously, we know Jesus taught and preached a lot, don't we? A lot. Sometimes he taught all day long. What's he talking about all that time? (laughs) Well, have you ever noticed the parables? Some of the excerpts of his sermons that tell us what he was talking about. How many of them start off like this? How shall I explain to you the kingdom of God? The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of God. How many times do you read that and see that? Somewhere or another we've heard that phrase. That meant anything to us. We just thought kingdom. You can hear something so much till you're familiar with it. And don't realize you're completely oblivious to what it is. But the Lord's helping us out here isn't he? Helping us to see what he means. I'm believing for revelation. Are you believing with me? I'm believing for light. What should this church be doing? What should this ministry and these ministries be doing? What are we doing? Not building my thing. Not building your thing. Building the kingdom. Advancing the kingdom. Getting out the good news of the kingdom. Right? What is the kingdom? It is the reign of the king of kings. And the lord of lords. I mean, it ties right into some things you already know. How many think it's the greatest idea that everybody on the planet bow their knee to the King of Kings and confess the Lord of Lords, Lord over their life, and let the kingdom of God include them and him reign over them? Well, they came to Jesus and they said, "Uh, Master, which one of us is going to be the the biggest in the kingdom? The greatest. (laughs) Why would they ask such a question? They've heard so much about the kingdom until it's important to them. And they, they've talked among themselves about it and they can't get it settled among themselves. So they want Jesus to settle it for them. I said, well, I'm going to have a bigger place than you. That's just for sure. And I said, no, you're not. Well, let's go ask Jesus. <laughs> what do they want to know? Who's got the greatest place? What does it mean greatest place? Well, who's over more? We're going to reign with him. Who's going to be over more? And verse 2. Jesus called a little child. Little means little bitty guy. And set him in the midst of them. So they're all looking at this little little bitty child. Verse 3. He said, verily I say to you, except you be converted... And become as little children. You shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now what does that, what does that mean? How we're to understand that? What does it mean converted? Converted means to be changed and turned. Why would we need to be converted? Did you know once upon a time you were a little child? <laughs> and you thought differently. And talked differently. And acted differently. And a lot of the stuff that you learned growing up was not an improvement. (laughs) We should have retained some of the ways God gave us to start with. People have lost them in their attempt to grow up and be tough in this cruel, mean world. And not be somebody's doormat. And be a self-made man. Or woman. And have some pride. 
That's another message. What is it about little children that is the way you need to be to enter into and have place and even have great place in the kingdom? Verse 4 tells us. He goes, whosoever therefore shall what? Humble himself as this little child. The same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In the world, it's the proud, it's the arrogant, it's the one that has the most money, the one that has the greatest, strongest military. Push in, conquer, take over, force. But in the kingdom of God, it's not that way. I said in the kingdom of God, it's not that way. It's whoever will humble themselves. Somebody say humble yourself. Would you like to have a great place in the kingdom? You should. What's the way to it? Humility. Humility is a much misunderstood subject. The devil has worked hard to convolute it. You know, there's a lot of folks actually proud of how humble they are. (laughs) Think about that. (laughs) Which means they ain't. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. One of the biggest characteristics of true humility is honesty. Honesty. You'll see that with little kids. Before they've learned how to be deceptive or anything. If they're happy, they show it. If they're uncomfortable, they show it. Right? Whatever. They, they just, <laughs> there's no guile. There's no shading. Hmm? And they don't. They don't have a problem, uh, you know, if they hadn't been taught wrongly, showing affection or or saying things or showing excitement or that's some of the stuff that most people lost growing up that they shouldn't have lost. I said they shouldn't have lost. And we need to be converted and get it back because that hard shell exterior is ungodly. And that be tough and push your way through being pushy and being demanding and being manipulating, that's got nothing to do with God. That's devilish. He said, let's read the rest of it. He said, uh, whoever will humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receives me. More than one occasion, you know, the little children would come to him uh, a time or two. They tried to tell him, no, stay away. He said, no, 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 no. Of such is the kingdom of God. Didn't he say that? Now, it doesn't just mean there are little kids in heaven. It means the one that's grown ups are like that, too. And we don't have to wait till we get there. You want to practice? <laughs> I don't think you're ready to practice. <laughs> Little children do a lot of laughing, don't they? I mean, they do a lot of laughing. So should we. I said, so should we. Little children express their glee and excitement. And it doesn't have to be a million dollars. It can be a a great popsicle. (laughs) They're like, wee, great popsicle, great popsicle. Huh? How many think we ought to be that way about everything the Lord does for us? Everything. 
this haughty, stuffy. Well, yeah, that's that's all right. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> that's no good. We need to get converted. Converted. Become like little children. Here's something you ought to practice too. Say this out loud. I never saw that. That's amazing. <laughs> When's the last time you said that? See, people try to act so smarty around each other. Somebody says something that's new revelation in light, and it is changing your world. And people will stand there and go, right. You know, I've thought about those things. Lying, lying. You see, it's different. It's time to go, wow, that's amazing. I never saw that before. I never heard that before. (laughs) We could go on. But the one that will be the greatest is the one that is the humblest. And also the one that gets the most grace down here in this life, isn't it? Go with me over to Luke, please. The ninth chapter, I believe it is. Luke chapter 9 and about verse... 54, I think. Luke 9. Actually, it begins about verse 51 when um, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. In verse 52, he sent messengers before him and they went to the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. So they're, they're letting the people know that he's coming. And today we'd probably say, uh, we're going to have services here. Such and such time, they'd probably say prophet Jesus (laughs) is coming. They didn't see him as, most people didn't see him at all as the Son of God. But the Bible said in verse 53, they what? They did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to, to Jerusalem. Now if you read John's account, you remember the woman at the well of Samaria? And, and what Jesus encountered, he encountered serious prejudice with them. And uh, she reminded him that the Jews wouldn't even eat or drink out of the same dishes that Samaritans used. They got serious issues between each other. And when they saw that Jesus was going to Jerusalem, the minister to the Jews, they said, no, no. This is a Jew-free zone here. No Jews. It was uh, it was racist. It was prejudice. Verse fifty-four. You know, somebody treats you less because of your color or your gender. How does that go over with you? It didn't go over good with them either. James and John's their nickname was Boanerges, the sons of thunder. You mess with them and kapow. (laughs) You'd feel the lightning and the thunder. (laughs) And they said, Lord, they came back. It made them mad. And I guess on the way back, they're talking about it. Can you believe them? Talk about the master that way. Snub him that way. So they decided what needs to happen. Teach these folks a lesson. And they're pretty sure Jesus is going to go along with it. And they said, Lord, you want us to command fire? Come down from heaven and consume them. You know, just like Elijah did. They got scripture for it. 
And we don't need to laugh too hard. Because we, we've had ideas that were just that far off base. And we had scripture for them too. <laughs> and they said, uh, Lord, let's teach them a lesson. We'll do it. We're ready. Let's say the word. Verse 55. Jesus turned and did what? He rebuked them. This is strong. Strong word. We have reason to believe Jesus raised his voice some, spoke real straight to them. What did he say? You don't know what kind of spirit you're of. You see, we're talking about the same thing here, aren't we? What are they wanting to do? They're wanting to show them something. They're wanting to force compliance. You ever wanted to force compliance? Ah, you don't have to raise a hand. I know you have. And so some people have taught this that, you know, man, if we had enough faith down here right now, we'll just use our authority in Christ and we'll make everybody come in line and we'll straighten this place up. No, you won't. No, you won't. It's going to take Jesus coming back to do that. He won't and you can't. Won't and can't what? He won't make people do what they should do. He won't make people receive what they should receive. He won't. And if he won't, you and I need to acknowledge that we can't and quit trying. I said quit trying. Now I don't have to ask. You've crossed the line before. And so have I. In what? Trying to make people do things. Trying to make people see things. Trying to make people receive it. Even if it was for their own good. (laughs) But let me remind you. That Jesus is not the good cowboy. Why would I say that? The cowboy drives the herd. Right? Just behind them. Drives them to make them go where they're supposed to go. Jesus is not the good cowboy. What is he? What is he? What does the shepherd do? He leads the flock. He calls his sheep by name. And then what do the sheep do? What if they don't want to follow? They have to follow of their own will. Because he's not pushing them. He's calling them. And the things of God are this way. He calls. I know as an overseer under the great shepherd of this church, Sarasota and the ministry, that's one of the things that you encounter. And I had to get this settled some time ago. It's not my job to make anybody do anything. A lot of time you'll see pastors and leaders, they get upset They're afraid somebody is going to leave, somebody's not going to give, somebody's not going to serve, somebody's going to start another church or cause a problem or whatever. And they get into chasing people and trying to court them and and talk them into it. And and they try to give them positions and things to pacify them. And oh, friend, that's being led by fear and it's trying to manipulate. And that is not the kind of spirit we're of. 
But the same thing is true about you. I don't care if it's your spouse, your friends, your co-workers. There comes a point when you see they are not receiving it and they don't want to hear it. And when you see that point, what are you supposed to do? You got a choice. You're either going to do it the way of the world and you're going to get mean and you're going to get pushy and you're going to start demanding. Well, I'll tell you one thing. As long as you live in my house, you will do what I say. As long as this is my place, that's devilish. I said, that's devilish. And you know one of the biggest reasons why people won't back off? They lack faith. It's a lack of faith. It takes faith to quit pushing and trust God. Doesn't it? It takes faith to quit demanding and trust God. Well, what if they don't follow? Well, then they won't. Well, if they won't, they could get in all kind of trouble. It can cost them. That's exactly right. But God won't make them. And you shouldn't try. Is this in the scripture or not? He talked about the ways of the kingdom. It's not like the Gentiles ruling and exercising dominion and control and force over each other. How are we supposed to be? Servants. Humble like a child. We'll help you. We'll give you something to to follow. Right? Preach the vision. Be an example. We'll call you. What if you don't want to come? Well, then you won't come. (laughs) What if you want to leave and go crazy? Well, then you will. (laughs) I don't want you to. But I'm not supposed to try to control you. I'm not supposed to try to manipulate you. I'm not supposed to try to woo you uh, with my winning personality. (laughs) And you're not supposed to do that with other people either. Selah. Think about it. Thank you, Lord. Go with me in closing, I think, to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. He said, you don't know what kind of spirit that you're of. In fact, go to Ephesians 4 and Luke 6. We'll do it like this. Ephesians 4 and Luke 6. Did you know that more than once the New Testament tells us when other people curse... We are to bless. When other people curse, we are to bless. And Ephesians 4, what is it about verse, is it 29 or so? Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Verse 30, and do what? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed to the day of the redemption. What would grieve him? What kind of things would grieve him? Look at the next verse. Bitterness. Wrath. Anger. How many know the scripture says the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. We're supposed to be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This being mean. This being pushy. Overbearing. Dominating. I'm going to make you. You have to, I'm going to force you. That's not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of the world. And it grieves the Holy Spirit if we're that way. This clamor, this evil speaking, let it be put away from you with all malice. Say it out loud, put it away from you. 
Verse 32. And what do you do? What kind of spirit are we of? He said, you don't know what kind of spirit, what manner of spirit you're of. Well, what kind of spirit are we of? Well, the kind of spirit we're of is the kind spirit. Kind. Be ye kind one to another. How many believe Jesus was and is kind? That doesn't mean weak. It doesn't mean he won't tell you the truth. But you don't have to be mean. And you don't have to be pushy. You don't have to be demanding. You know, there's been times that something stirred me the wrong way. I was tempted to answer too forcefully, but if you learn and you care, you'll get a hold of yourself. And you'll pull your feelings back. And Even though you feel like saying, no! <laughs> don't ask again. <laughs> you can say, no. Nope, don't think so. And it may not sound like it, but it's a very strong no. It has a foundation that goes real deep. <laughs> Can you be strong without being mean? And without being hard? Without being pushy? Be kind. This is not just a good idea. It's this word of God, the spirit of God telling us to be this way. What did he say? Read it out loud. Be kind. One to another. Tender hearted. That's different from hard-hearted. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Keep going. This flows into the next. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. That's the way he is. He's kind. Isn't he? Think of what he's putting up with. On this planet. And how holy he is. And how perfect and pure he is. And he's putting up with. If he can put up with all this. Why can't you and I put up with a few things. Without going ballistic. (laughs) Go to Luke 6. Luke 6. Jesus is telling us. Again kingdom principles. And he says this in Luke 6. 35. Luke 6.35, love your enemies. That's people that's trying to hurt you. People that's saying ugly bad things about you. What are you supposed to do? Now that doesn't mean you have warm and fuzzy feelings for them. (laughs) Feelings are not the same thing as love. That's what a lot of people get mixed up about. You can feel like telling them giving a piece of your mind and the back of your hand. But you don't have to act on those feelings. You can get a hold of yourself and you can say, I do care about them. I care about what happens to them. I don't want to see them judged. I don't want to see them lost. Can you do that? Even if you got feelings that go the other way. I don't know about you. I think you're the same way. I don't want to see anybody go to hell. I don't care what they've done. Now the devil, I'm okay with him going. In fact, I'm happy about it. (laughs) And all of his bunch, there's demons that followed him. But human beings, I don't care how mean and ugly they've been. I'd like to see them saved, wouldn't you? I'd like to see them 
cleansed and washed. Some of the ugliest, meanest, most cruel, awful people washed by the blood and filled with the Holy Spirit could be some of the best people. Couldn't they? That you've ever been around? It's possible. It's possible. Love your enemies. Do good. Lend. Hoping for nothing again. For you And your reward shall be great. And you'll be the children of the highest. For he is what? He's kind. Not just to some people. He's kind to the unthankful. He's kind to evil people. He's kind. Somebody say kind. He said, you don't know what kind of spirit you're of to those guys wanting to call fire down on them and force them into compliance, make them see and know and do what they should do. He said, you don't know what kind of spirit you're of. What kind of spirit are we of? Spirit of God, spirit of love, spirit of grace, spirit of mercy. Somebody say kind, kind. How many have a desire to let him Rule and reign over your thoughts and your feelings and your your flesh. And even when you're tempted to be ill or mean. How many like uh, the Lord to remind you and help you and and you catch yourself. And you don't say it. And you don't do it. And you choose to be kind no matter how you feel. You'll be the children of a child of the highest. You'll be acting like your father. (laughs) You'll be acting like the ruler of the universe. Because he's kind. Even to unthankful people. Even to evil people. He's kind. And because you've been born again. And the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart. You can be too. That's the way of the kingdom. And the kindest. And the humblest. And the greatest servant. Is going to have the greatest place. In the kingdom to come. Does Jesus exemplify it above everybody? He was God and with God. And he humbled himself. He laid it all aside. He came down here. He served. He died the death of a criminal. And in being raised from the dead, he ever lives to serve us. Do you want to be like the master? Is he kind? Is he good? Is he faithful? Will he make you do it? He won't. But even if you put him off a thousand times, if you decide 40 years later, I want to do it now, can I come back? What will he say? Come on, baby. Come on. He'll forgive you. Somebody say kind. Kind. He'll forgive you. He'll lead you. He'll use you. That's who you are. That's what spirit you're of. That's how we live. That's how we operate. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Master. Lift up your hands. Let's lift up our hands and thank the Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the way that you are. Thank you for your goodness and your kindnesses, loving kindnesses, tender mercies, long-suffering, patient and kind. Thank you that you always have been that way with us. And we can be that way with others. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody close your eyes if you would. Pray this prayer out loud with me. If you believe it in your heart. If you mean it. Father God. Father God. Forgive me. 
for any and every time that I've not been kind, that I tried to push it, that I tried to force it, tried to make people do something. That's not you. That's not your spirit. That's not your way. The devil is the forcer. I thank you that the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And I can yield to that love. And I can be kind no matter how I feel. No matter what others do or don't do. I can choose to be kind and to love and to forgive. And by faith I do choose this. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.